you desire to attend Bible college or seminary, but know that it would be incredibly difficult to uproot your family and move somewhere? Maybe you desire to attend seminary, but you don't want to leave your local congregation. Let me tell you about my seminary, Whitfield Theological Seminary. Whitfield is a conservative, confessional, classical, reformed seminary who wants to come alongside congregations and assist them in raising up a pastor. The training of a minister should be done alongside of a congregation. Whitfield offers online classes so that you can fulfill your calling without having to move your family or abandon your church. Go check them out at www.reformed.info. That is www.reformed.info. Tell them you heard about them on The Daily Brew. We at The Daily Brew take the Bible and the study of it very seriously. Have you ever wondered where we or our special guests go when we want to dive into God's Word more deeply? We go to Logos, the best Bible software available. From in-depth word studies in the original languages to commentaries from scholars, both new and old. There are lexicons and grammars and sermons and collected works of heroes of the faith. And even ancient texts for the serious Bible students. Never before has so many great tools been bundled together into one software. To learn more about this incredible ministry, call 888-390-7341. That's 888-390-7341. While you're there, go ahead and tell them that you heard about this incredible software on The Daily Brew. Listen up, Daily Brew subscribers and listeners. I want to tell you about our newest partner, Audio Blocks and Video Blocks. They're an incredible resource if you're looking for background footage, background audio. We use them for all our video and audio uh, needs. If you're needing background clips, if you're needing short footage for any video that you're making for your business or your church, or just looking for background noises for putting something together, they have everything you need, a huge selection. You have to go check them out. Go check them out at audioblocks.com or videoblocks.com. Are you looking for something fun to do on these hot summer days? Are you looking for something fun for the whole family? Go check out Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. This has been rated the number one aquarium in the country. If you're looking to waddle with the penguins or sleep with the sharks, this is the place for you. For an up-close view, check out their glass-bottom boat. Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies has something for the whole family. For more information, go to ripleyaquariums.com. You are busy. You are always on the go. But are you making time for you? The Y is dedicated to helping you stay active, live better, and find the best possible version of you. From basketball courts to functional training space, indoor pools, and yoga studios, the best of Knoxville is right in your backyard. Group classes and personal trainers that will challenge and encourage you. The Y has something for everyone. Join the Y and get unlimited access to all five locations. From the heart of downtown Knoxville to Farragut and Halls, all with no contracts. For a better us.
This is The Daily Brew. Welcome to The Daily Brew. I am here with my dear friend, Matthew Cook. He is a pastor of Maynardville Fellowship in Maynardville, Tennessee. Welcome aboard. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Matt, I brought you on. You're a dear friend, and uh, we've we've had the joy of spending some time together. And I want to talk to you about the topic of manhood and fatherhood. So, one of the first things I want to ask you: I know a lot of pastors uh, during this time. Sometimes they will stop for American holidays. Sometimes they'll keep going through whatever text they're preaching. Which one are you going to do? I'm actually going to be keeping through Matthew. All right. Have you have you ever stopped? You have. Okay. Nice, nice. Are you going to try to use as your introduction anything related to Father's Day? This week, I'm I'm not planning on it. Okay. I, have, I have before. I've made a big deal out of it before, but this year, I, I haven't planned anything. Gotcha. I actually did the same thing with Mother's Day, but what we're going to do um, to kind of make up for that, we don't always stop for holidays. Um, I'm going through John, and we're um, at we're almost at, or we're in 15, so we're getting really, really close to the end of John. But we didn't stop for Mother's Day, but what we're going to do is do Father's Day. I'm going to focus on it. Uh, I feel like it's a need in our church right now. And then um, next week, also do on biblical motherhood as well. So kind of hitting both topics Um in that order, and so take a, a two week hiatus from John and then kick right back into John. So, I definitely have a reason for not, except for uh, preaching calendar wise. I'm a little in a bind trying to get to a certain point in Matthew, <laughs> so I didn't, didn't have a, a week to spare this time. Mm. I can completely relate to that as well. So, first question I want to bring up, and this is where we can we'll start off discussing this. Is uh, I want to bring up first of all, I'll give you some sobering statistics while studying this. Uh, so, a lady named Nancy Gibbs, uh, writing for Time Magazine, said this: Before 1830, all parenting books were addressed and directed to fathers. What do you think about that? Doesn't surprise me. Um, used to the. Um role of fathers was unquestioned as being the primary disciple maker in the home. They understood their responsibility to wash their wives in the water of the word and train their children up in the discipline and nurture of the Lord. And and, um, over the years, it seems that women have taken on most of the roles in the church and most of the spirituality in the home. Mm. It's a shame. Amen. I think too, piggybacking on that, I think it's interesting in the Bible we see like when Eve sins, it's never called and it's never referred to as Eve sin, even though she was the first one to take the fruit. It's always referred to Adam's sin because you have this concept in the Bible of federal headship. You know, Adam represents, he's the federal head of all humanity. And then when you get into the New Testament, Christ represents the head of the church. He's the, the leader. He's the, the male, if you want to think of it, that leading uh, the church. And then even in Israel, we see the same thing with the priest the priest goes into the temple he he's the representative of all of israel he takes their sins he makes sacrifice he goes in the holy of holies um receives repentance or repents of israel's sins so i think this concept of headship and of of men leading the home is everywhere in scripture so to say before 1830 that they're all directed i think it's because earlier on and previously we saw just as you were saying um the role of the father was very central within the life of the church. I'm going to give you some more statistics here, and then we can piggyback on these. We'll have more to discussion. I just want to read some of these so we can uh, get some of these through these or get through this. So, um, 
the typical church, these are statistics, I read through a few different statistics here, but uh, the typical church is filled with 61% um, women. Uh, There are 13 more women than men in church on any given Sunday. Now, here's some other ones to piggyback on that thought as well. Seven out of ten boys will abandon the church before their teen years um, to early 20s. Now, one other statistic here, and this will be the last one I give to you. A Swiss study concluded, so this is a study, a Swiss study. Um, This is statistics only. It says this, it says, one out of 50, uh, okay, when there is no father figure in the church, no matter how faithful the wife is, so this is just a statistic, when there's no father figure in the home at all, no matter how faithful the wife is, one out of 50 men or one out of 50 children will become regular adult worshipers. So when there's no father figure taking the family to church, even no matter how faithful the wife is, no matter how great and godly the wife is, only one out of 50 children as they grow up will be a regular attenders in church. Here's another statistic they gave as well. If the father goes regularly, regardless of how spiritual the mother is, and ironically, a, a twist they t- toss in this study is that uh, generally whenever the father goes, the wife does go. So like, there's not a very good statistic for fathers who are faithful and women not, and their wives not being faithful as well. There's not good numbers for that, ironically. So it's very odd. That's an oddity. But um, So whenever the father consistently goes, no matter how faithful the mother is, between two-thirds and three-fourths of the children as adults will regularly attend a church as an adult. What do you think about that? Not surprising. Um, God's revealed himself in masculine terms. He, he's God the Father. Uh, when they don't see a father being their protector and their provider and their prophet and their priest, they don't, they don't see God. They don't see an earthly father in that light, and they don't see a heavenly father that way either. They don't think they have a need of a heavenly father. They don't gravitate to that. We've not communicated it with our lives. They don't. They don't recognize that need in their life. Hmm. I had a lunch once with Steve Lawson, um, which was absolutely incredible, and he was talking about the reason he believes his church in Alabama at the time was so successful. It was that he feels like a lot of churches because the majority of churches are made up of women, are geared towards um, women. And what he means by that is, and it's not, a, not, it's not that you shouldn't have emotion in your church, but he's talking about how the majority of church services nowadays are very emotionally driven and very focused on emotion and trying to build up emotion. And even in music, there's very much emotion is the, is the focus. Now, emotion is good. Jonathan Edwards even said that the role of the pastor is to raise the emotions as high as possible without altering the Word of God. So emotions being very good, but um, I do think it's interesting, and I do think, and I think I, I, I agree with him that I think a lot of churches uh, focus and try to focus so much so on emotion that you lose doctrine and you lose theology and you lose reasoning so that the music becomes the focus, the words then neglected, and because of that, he said, um, Lawson said that... Um, he thinks because of that, men feel uncomfortable in churches like this. They they don't feel comfortable being men in, in churches like this. And I think that's a danger. Um, 
So he says he very much wants his church to be a masculine church. He says uh, it causes women, uh, he says it actually encourages women to come to his church because of that. And he says the women love it even more because you have masculine men and, and, and feminine women as well. So you have femininity, masculinity, they're elevated if you want to think of it that way. Um, so I find that things like that encouraging. I think it's very interesting. And I do find it discouraging. Why do you think that the church statistically wise has more women than men? I think part of it is that factor that you just mentioned with that Dr. Lawson mentioned to you that yeah. uh, it has become somewhat feminized. Yeah. Uh, that we don't see manly men. We don't think of a manly man as being a spiritual man. Yeah. We don't think of a uh, so men gravitate away from spirituality often and biblical things. I think that women that's a that's a women's thing. So mm. I think that's a big contributing factor in it. Yeah, I think too uh, that. Oftentimes, whenever you talk about biblical manhood, a lot of people run from the idea or they're afraid to hear it or women, it kind of makes them cringe because a lot of them, what they're used to is chauvinism, like this idea of like a male bully, uh, a husband who's a bully, and then they hear the word submission and they run from it. But in the Bible, this idea, like Ephesians 5, where it talks about women submitting under their husbands as as um, as the church does under Christ and, and men to lead the church. And the thing is, they hear this word submission and they cringe and they think that, but if we're actually following the biblical pattern, Christ there, it's if, if we think about what men are called to do, men are called to represent Christ. They're called to lead as Christ does the church who sacrificed and gave himself up for it. So if men were being biblical men, if they were faithfully serving and sacrificing, I think the submission word wouldn't be terrifying or wouldn't be, all we think of is chauvinism because we see what does a godly man look like? He looks like Jesus. So who wouldn't want to submit under them? Like even men submit under Christ in the church, and it's not a it's not a scary word when men are leading biblically and they're striving to be like Christ, and then women are striving to submit under them as Christ does the church. I mean, as the church does it to Christ. You mind if I get a little controversial? Yeah, good. Yeah, I think a contributing factor is that men, when they're going to be involved in something, they want to know they've actually got goal and that they're doing something that matters, that they're they're leading, that it's necessary. Mm. They're not just showing up out of some sort of empty obligation. Mm. Um, and I, a lot of, in the last hundred years, we've, we have neglected to teach fathers to be training their children in the things of God that that's your duty that you'll give an account to God for how well you do it or how poorly you do it that you'll give an answer and you better be ready yeah. and we've on children off the spiritual education of children to youth ministers and Sunday school teachers and Amen. men just show up there and let them do it they don't think they've got a role so they they maybe for a generation or so encourage their kids to at least go and get that because it mattered somewhere but then they neglected it and the next generation said well my dad didn't go at all and they neglected it and it's gotten worse and worse. I believe that's a big rope. Mm. I always think back to the the significance of of men in the household and the transformation, the potential they can have. Um, by I had a friend named Cameron Pugh. His dad is um, Keith Pugh. And um, so Keith used to be a star at Alabama, um, was getting ready to be a first-round draft pick. Um, one of the guys shared the gospel with him. Um, from Alabama's football team, he ends up accepting Christ. And instead of going in the NFL draft, he decided to go to seminary. So he opted out of being a first-round pick to go to uh, seminary. Well, this guy ends up – his uh, he – becomes a faithful, um, godly man and uh, meets his wife 
And then from the fruit of their ministry, he actually is one I went to um, Steve Lawson's church. He's an elder at Steve Lawson's church with with Steve. But uh, the fruit of his ministry of one man turning his life around, putting his faith in Christ, faithfully leading his household. So before him, he had no line of believers. Now after him, all his children are believers. Um, I think four of them are pastors as well. I just think it's incredible that you have one man who repents, puts his faith in Christ, and the result of that is future generations are going to be blessed because this man decided to be faithful in his home, raising up his children in godliness. And I don't think people and men especially realize the potential they have if they would faithfully lead their home, if they'll faithfully raise up their children in godliness. Um, I think one of the places to start off uh, with that, and we had uh, the joy of having Don Whitney on the show before, but uh, is, is just doing family worship, no matter how basic they may be. I know early on, I, I, I come from a divorce home, so I didn't know what that looked like. Um, I didn't come from uh, uh, two believing parents or anything of that nature, so um, I never knew what that looked like. Talking with Don Whitney it really encouraged me because he reminded me that you often do, as a man, feel unprepared to lead family worship. Like uh, you never know what your kids are going to ask. You never know what it's going to look like. And he def- he made it this way. He's like, sometimes it only lasts two or three minutes. Sometimes it's just reading the Bible. Uh, if you can explain it, explain it. Praying. Um, uh, maybe singing a hymn or singing a song and just making this a regular part of your life. It may last three to four minutes. It may last 10 minutes. It may last an hour. Who, who knows? But making the practice so that they're regularly seeing you leading the home. Um, they regularly see you reading the scriptures and allow God's word to pierce their hearts. Uh, it was Augustine who had the word preached to him throughout his whole childhood. And then later on in life, he's walking down the road. He hears two women preach or talking. And because of that conversation, the word then ignited in his heart and open his eyes. It wasn't through reasoning or debate. Um, it's they hear the word. They need to be hearing it on a regular basis, and then God will provide the fruit. Um, let me give you one more quote, and I imagine you want to join in here. But um, I remember Martin Luther, one of the, the famous quotes he says about the Reformation, is someone asked him, when did the Reformation take place? And this is what he said, and I always found this encouraging and helpful, is that he says, I would preach the word, and I would pray, and then I would go to bed at night. And he says, it was during the night, that's when the Reformation took place. And I think that's true, is that men, if you'll be faithful in reading the word, whether it be praying with your uh, children, um, read a chapter, uh, go through a book, uh, try to answer questions if they have questions, even if it's just read, read a chapter, pray, sing, go to bed, allow the word to do the work while you're asleep. I believe that it finishes with I did nothing the word did it all is yeah. that the rest of the quote yeah, yeah amen, amen. Um, we don't although I'm not leaving um, Matthew for this week for Father's Day we try to keep the centrality of the home in the discipleship of families uh, uh, as, as one of the works of Manorville Fellowship mm. uh, that we regularly say that our duty is to equip families for a lifestyle of worship mm. um, so I'll pull up my my sermon from last year on Father's Day where I quoted uh, Matthew Henry who said the pious and zealous endeavors of ministers for the reformation of manners and the suppression of vice and profaneness are the joy and encouragement of all good people in the land and a happy indication that God hath yet mercy in store for us now I know not of anything that will contribute more to the furtherance of his good work than the bringing of family religion into practice and reputation Here the Reformation must begin. Other methods may check the disease we complain of, but this, if it might universally be obtained, would cure it. 
Mm. I think he's on to something. But I think, like you said, a lot of fathers, it's intimidating to think of how to lead their homes. Mm. Uh, fathers cannot train their children often because they don't know how to. Yeah. So we, um, we've we actually kind of structured Manorville Fellowship to where I, every week I send out um, a family worship guide. It's supposed to be done in three days, not seven days. That's that's too too many days to you want. I'm going to give them a little flexibility. So you you miss a day, don't worry about it. Three days a week at least. Sit down with your family, and we'll give them either a text or a doctrine and a few little questions to ask about that and some answers that are provided. We want fathers to familiarize themselves with it and then roll it out to their children in appropriate ways. You mm. typically takes our family about ten to fifteen minutes to do it. Um, three days a week, and then on. Well, together for small group how'd you do this week did you make it through your family worship guide this week did you get through all three days what stimulated conversation so you're holding them accountable but you're not just saying just do this you're you're trying to uh give them some training wheels uh to mm. sure they don't fall over you're not trying to drive for them going to the house and doing it for them every night but you're giving them a little a little direction and then getting feedback on how you might be able to help them even more in the future so one way we're trying to promote that family worship and that male headship in the home um, to hopefully have these fathers that can give us the two-thirds retention rate instead of the one in 50. Mm. Amen. Well, Matt, it's been a joy to have you on the show. Uh, been a very fruitful discussion. I'll definitely bring you on more again in the future, man. Thank you so much for joining. Look forward to it. Thank you for having me.